0: You're listening to Straight Shooters, a straightforward golf podcast that'll straighten out your game. And here are your hosts, Keith Bennett and Henry Statina.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Straight Shooters podcast. I am Keith Bennett, joined here by Henry Statina. We are your hosts talking to you about everything about getting better at golf and how you truly get better at golf. None of the fluff, none of the BS. We're getting right to the chase. And, uh, right to the heart of the matter and uh, we kind of have a a cool topic I think for you today Um, and we're titling it why you suck at golf Um, and just things that we have observed from our time teaching golfers things that are holding you folks back whether you know it or not that are keeping you from reaching your golfing potential or what you want to be as your golfing potential. Uh, And these are some pitfalls we see people getting into, and we're going to offer some solutions as to how you can work through these pitfalls. You know, these obstacles aren't going anywhere, but, um, you know, as Ryan Holiday says, the obstacle is the way and uh, how true that is. Henry, what are you you up to these days? And uh, what do you think about the topic we've got?
0: Yeah, Keith, it's uh, great to be back on. I think we have a great discussion for today. Um, Life's been good. Just been giving a lot of golf lessons, teaching class. Um, Our PGA students are really starting to get a grasp of some of the things that we're talking about in the classroom um, that's being delivered through the PGA, through their education, for teaching and coaching. And, uh, Recently, we've been able to get out on the golf course, uh, do some playing lessons. Uh, We're doing some demonstrations on short game and and the full swing. So um, it's kind of neat to get to see uh, how players are responding to uh, the observation of lessons, basically being the uh, observer, not having uh, been in the mix and and feeling all the emotions and the awkwardness of of golf lessons and and kind of being able to take it from an outside perspective. And I think that's been Mm -hmm very valuable for them, but certainly for myself as well. And I think we have a a lot to be able to share today.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a good point you bring up, I think, um, for all the coaches listening, or people who, you know, take golf lessons too, just observing a golf lesson as an as a third party, um, I think is a a great way as an instructor to learn, Um, you know, you pick up on cues from the student, probably better than you would if you were in the moment teaching. And I think it's great great, valuable learning experience, something that you, that you, um, the program offers really well done at New Mexico state. So that's, that's fantastic. But, um, you had mentioned something before we started recording today about kind of things that had come up, uh, resistance to change, uh, that had, you know, things that had come up in your lessons and, uh, resistance to change is a, is a really, a really important topic and a huge pitfall that we see, uh, that keep golfers from, from finding their true potential. I mean, after all, they are at a lesson, assuming they're there because they're struggling and they need some help. And if what they were currently doing was working, they wouldn't be there. So, I mean, there's, there's probably going to be some change, whether it's a, a a mental outlook change, a a concentration or focus change, or a a physical difference in their golf swing. So what have you observed? uh, That's kind of, you know, had the light bulb go on for you as, as, to, you know what maybe students could do better when they come for lessons
0: sure yeah I think we see it quite often um res- you know I don't think people really like to make change um, we're resistant to it by nature we like to do what we're comfortable doing it's yeah. um it's easy um, but we all know that to improve requires some amount of change and um you know just yesterday, we were giving a, a golf lesson, a short game lesson for a demonstration as part of a class. And the player taking the lesson was a very skilled golfer, um, probably a two to seven handicap and was having some trouble with his short game. He said that his uh, basic shots were equivalent to his more difficult shots, meaning his his what he perceived as a basic shot wasn't uh, he wasn't performing the way he wanted to. And so we watched him hit some chip shots and, uh, I thought he was doing just fine and we could have went a number of ways with it, but, um, at the end of the day, he was not satisfied with his contact. He thought he was hitting them fat, which he was, he was drop kicking them, um, ever so slightly. And so we made some changes, uh, very slowly to his technique. Um, instead of hanging back and kind of leading the handle forward, uh, we got him more balanced. Um, and we, we created a little bit steeper action where he was uh, using the full length of the golf club uh, with more of a full release, like you might see a, a Stan Nutley or a James Seekman type keep teaching. And uh, he was quite resistant for some time. I had to use a lot of different analogies with him until he got at it. it Um, I ultimately gave him a a feeling of basically letting the club head pass the handle. And and he was doing some drastic type rehearsal swings and he got it immediately. The next swing, he, he nipped it right off the turf. The sound was completely different. The contact was much different. The ball trajectory was better. Um, And I, it was a light bulb. I I made sure he understood that that was what I was looking for. And then, you know, coming to the next shot and the one after first, you know, six to seven shots in a row, he completely just nipped it off of a really tight lie, And the class was quite uh, impressed, I believe. And, and the player was not satisfied. I, hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. He was not satisfied with that. And um, kind of dumbfounded, I, I was thrown off a little bit. And what, what it came down to was, it seemed like two things. One, he had never perceived that as being a good outcome. To him, he was hitting it thin Mm. because he was used to drop kicking it.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And so I had to remind him, I said, I could be wrong here, but at the beginning of the lesson, you said that your contact was the issue and that you believed that you were hitting it fat. Was that not the case? He said, absolutely, that was the case. I said, so if you're comfortable, your norm is hitting it fat, solid contact would seem more thin don't you think right. um he, he kind of went with that um and he and then and then it turned into a yeah but this feels different yeah yeah it is different absolutely no doubt about that i said were you expecting to get a golf lesson change your impact but have the swing be the same and he said, Yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping for. I really didn't want to change. He said, Huh, you wanted to change impact. You wanted to change the result, but you didn't want to change the process for achieving it. How does that fit? And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we need to put some of the responsibility in the player to, to recognize how this whole thing works. Um, and it was nice for him, he was the absolute perfect demonstration for lots of reasons, that probably being one of them, um, for the class, because the entire class got to see what that would look like. And I think that if we as instructors are less confident, uh, we might change what we're doing, we might give the player too much authority, let them kind of dictate a little bit too much of what's going on, um, kind of shrink in our own arena. Uh, But instead, I think they were satisfied to see that this can be difficult, and that in order to make these changes in whatever regard, we need to be open to uh, doing things a little bit differently. And, and, and then recognizing that that is maybe what a tour level, like ship or pitch shot, would look like and sound like and feel like. like that, that's a whole new opportunity that we might not have ever even been available to because we had never experienced it before.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, And I want to touch on that, that feel part about him not being satisfied with what it felt like, thinking it felt like thin contact. You know, I think players would be better served if they observed the outcome of the shot and then said, oh, that's what that type of shot feels like. I think too many players come into it with this preconceived notion of what it's supposed to feel like internally based on what somebody else has told them their experience of that shot has been. And then they kind of internalize that and they come up with some sort of sense as to what that might feel like to them. And then if it doesn't match up, then they're a little bit confused or kind of thinking that maybe they're not doing it correctly. You know, it's, it's very much like, seeing your swing on video and the feel versus real thing, you know, for me, if I'm working on something in my golf swing, I don't really care what it has to feel like. If I'm seeing the club or my body do what I needed it to do on camera, that's actually me being relieved. Cause then I go, Oh, now I know what that should feel like. I don't need it to feel a certain way. I just need to see that I'm doing it correctly on camera And then I can repeat it because it is wild as it might feel to do the correct movement. Now, at least I know that it should feel that wild, or maybe it doesn't feel as wild or exaggerated or whatever the term you want to use may be. But I see that all the time where, and then the player will turn to you and go, you know, should it feel like that? Or what should I feel? Or what do you feel when you hit a shot like that? And our experiences of a simple pitch shot could be so wildly different from player to player that it's actually almost probably a disservice to tell them what you feel, because now they're going to try to internalize that for them for their own. And if it doesn't match up to what they think it should feel like based on what you told them, then they might not even commit to that. Right. They might, they might hit a beautiful pitch shot and be like, well, that's not what Henry said it should feel like. So that must be wrong. Um, You know, I got to try it out a different way. Have you, you know, was that kind of what you were experiencing with that player or have you had experiences like that with, with other players?
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point. We, we need feedback. Um, There are two types of feedback. Intrinsic feedback is feedback that we get internally. So how the shot feels, what it sounds like, what it looks like. That's stuff that we get from our own perspective. There's also Augmented feedback, feedback that comes from an outside source. So that could be from a coach, from a launch monitor, a video analysis, something that's coming from something other than our own experience. And so, sometimes, uh, I, ideally, what we have is good intrinsic feedback. We're able to be able to tell whether or not we're hitting it off the toe or the heel. We can tell whether we're hitting it low or high on the club face um, through sound, through sight. That's why the foot spray powder is so valuable because it helps us ingrain and improve our own intrinsic feedback. Um, but sometimes we don't know that as golfers, we're not sure what it should feel like. And I don't think a coach can necessarily tell us how it's to feel because that's so personal, but we need to be able to follow the instruction to where we're achieving something different, something that's, uh, an improved motion and, and improved contact and then the coach can confirm whether or not that is correct and, and through that augmented feedback we can begin to associate what it feels like for example that player had never considered that contact as being ideal it was much lower correct. on the club face than he was used to he thought he was spinning it, and and I had to assure him that that's the the feeling that we're looking for. That's the turf interaction that we're looking for. That's the sound, the clicking noise that he's hearing is what we want to hear on a good tour-like pitch shot. And right. players who are often looking for more spin on their uh, on their pitching and wedging, you know, there's a a handful of variables that that are required in order to put more spin on the ball. Um, from turf conditions uh, from where we're playing from to where we're landing uh, the ball onto uh, good grooves, good golf balls some speed characteristics, and then contact location central from toe to heel, but also a smidge lower on the club face than what a lot of people think. Mm. Um, and so uh, that was just uh, something that was new to him and, and we needed a coach to be able to confirm that that's what we should be looking for.
1: Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Before we move on to kind of the next uh, topic of pitfalls here, the first, one of the first times I went to a tour event was uh, the match play, the Del Met, the match play at uh, Dove mountain in Arizona. And I was watching, I think it was Dustin Johnson actually hit some wedges and they came off his face and sounded what I would have previously perceived to be kind of thin and low. And then I watched multiple people hit wedges and that was the trajectory that they were sending the golf ball to the target at. And previously I had figured it had to be going much higher and sounding different, right? It looked like he was hitting it a groove low, but then when you watched it react on the ground, it just bit up nicely. It didn't, you know, didn't spin back too much. It didn't, it didn't roll forward. And that kind of changed my perception. I was like, Oh, that's what it should sound like. That's what it should look like. And now that, you know, that shot to me now registers as a tour quality wedge shot when I hit it versus what I perceived, you know, and then i when I watch other players hit wedge shots now as a coach, and I see it flying much higher right off the face, you kind of recognize that that's not what the wedge shot should look like at a, you know, at a really high tour quality level. So you know, that type of feedback and the same thing happened when I went to the waste management uh, last year, just sat there and watched uh, Steve Stricker hit some little chip shots around the green and it and the sound was like, a, it sounded a little thin and a little clicky, but it was so pure and so, you know, it sounded like you just nipped it right off the turf. There was almost no turf interaction and that kind of changes your perception of it. Um, and without that, sometimes it's hard to know visually what it should look like um but if you have that coach there giving you that augmented feedback and that's why it can be hard to kind of teach this game your you know teach yourself to play the game at a high level uh unless you are very you know adept at making those types of judgments for yourself um but yeah you know just to wrap up this first point here big big pitfall is resistance to change one but also you know, not using correct feedback to then let's say help you to develop an internal feel for what that shot correctly. And, and you kind of brought, brought up a point of, Hey, put some, put some face spray on your club and hit some balls. And when the ball's hitting the center of the face, then you can say for sure, that's what it should feel like, you know, without having to rely on somebody else to, to give you that, that, inject that feel into you, which like we said, could be so personal.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we know that uh, in order to get a different result, there's going to require a different process. And so golfers need to be open-minded be accepting of change, uh, listening to new information, be willing to maybe make a technique change for sure. Um, there's a reason why they're coming for a golf lesson, and um, I think that uh, the resistance from change or resistance to change is one of the primary reasons why golfers um, suck at the game, and they're not making the progress that they'd like.
1: Yeah, exactly, and let's take that now like a step further. Let's project out maybe to that golfer or similar golfer, and, and we'll talk about kind of a set the second topic and probably. We'll leave it for two topics for today. Um, not giving it enough time to manifest and to really kind of lock it in, you know. Like, let's you know that that golfer you worked with, or, or any number of golfers. There's kind of two ways that it can go, right? That golfer can be excited that now they have what it should look like, what it should feel like, what it should sound like, and now they're going to go try to ingrain that, or they're going to be a little skeptical. They're probably not going to hit them perfect for a little while right after the lesson because it's new and it's different. And they have a couple of options. It, you know, that, that, that flight or fright, you know, fight or flight mechanism takes over and they can either slowly drift back to what feels comfortable, even though they know it might not be the right way forward because their brain doesn't like that. They're not getting the results they want or they can kind of hang in there and go, all right, I know what it should feel like. I know what it should look like. I know I'm not going to hit them perfect for the next, you know, however long going forward, this is a change. It's different. I'm going to have to, you know, go about my process differently. Um, and then if that golfer takes that mindset, then some good things can happen. Or if the golfer, gets a little bit cautious and freaked out that, you know, it's not going perfectly right off the bat because they think they should have it locked in after one lesson, then, um, you know, that could also result in, in some regression towards what they previously did.
0: So the player that I was working with yesterday was such a good student. Um, uh, he asked such an amazing question at the end of our lesson. Um, I asked him um, if he had any questions and he responded with the question. He says, yeah, what does the practice program look like? And I was actually thrown a little off guard because that isn't normally the question that we get. Um, He was resistant. He was still doubtful of what we were working on. And so I said, how about we do this? Um, Do you have time today to do a little bit of practice while it's fresh in your mind? And he did. So I said, spend 30 to 40 minutes hitting these pitch shots that we've been working on. And I want you to report uh, back next week when we return to class on Tuesday, how your practice went today. And then between now and then, you have four more days before we meet again. How about you practice for 30 to 40 minutes at least twice, and then you report back on how those sessions went because the class topic is learning. We're learning about learning. And so um, I thought that would be a really good way for him to uh, not only provide me some feedback so that I can best help him with this change, but to also show to the class that um, how this process works. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lesson is about connection. It's about connecting new information for the player providing him something that he can practice or she can practice until the next lesson. Um, Our performance might not be great. It might be inconsistent at that time. Um, In some cases, the consistency might have regressed because we are learning something new. We're going back to those early stages of learning again. And so um, during the next few days, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he starts to get it more, if he understands things better, if he's becomes more satisfied with the change because it's producing results that ultimately is what he was looking for. He just wasn't aware of it at the time. And so the goal for him is to stick with it and report back at the next lesson, which ideally for most golfers would be the following week or so. And and then we can reassess and, and reevaluate at that time and see what he needs to do from there.
1: Yeah, so basically, what you set up was some sort of accountability, it sounds like, too. Um, and that's a really big point you just brought up as far as A, the coach's responsibility to kind of set the student up for success. And then B, the student asking a question that put that whole thing into motion. Um, you know, so prior to leaving the lesson, Making sure that the right questions have been asked and the right expectations have been set for what the the next week is going to look like, and obviously not having a huge gap between when you're going to see that student next. Um, you know, if left to their own devices for let's say three weeks to a month, there's just too much opportunity for that 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 ancestral brain that doesn't like the change to kind of take over and to convince the student or the player that, you know, hey, you know, the, the, that way might be a little bit better, but hey, let's think about how uncomfortable it's going to be if we skull a few chips in front of our buddies playing golf this weekend, right? Let's, let's go back to what we know, you know, let's, let's play a little eight iron here out of the rough instead of going with the 60 and hitting the shot, we know that we should be able to hit if we keep working on this new move. And it's just a funny way because we've both been there how we convince ourselves to just go back to what's comfortable because we can kind of somewhat project out what the results are going to be that, you know, back to that resistance to change. But, you know, you laying, full, laying out for that student to report back and to give progress challenges that student, but also sets the expectation of, hey, we're not looking for perfection here in the next week. We're looking for you to simply show up put in the practice reps, report back on how those practice reps went. And then you and I will come together, discuss whether the results were maybe better than you were thinking they were, they had been, you know, sometimes the students don't give themselves enough credit We're usually our hardest, harshest critics. And then we'll just keep doing that process. And, you know, until, you know, you feel like you want to move on, or we can both confirm that you've got it, you know, dialed in enough to the point where we don't need to maybe be doing that and we can go to something else, but you know, that that back and forth to teach somebody a, a simple pitch shot might be a couple months, depending on how, how quickly they pick up on it or how much they're willing to practice. It's so different from student to student. But, you know, you holding that student accountable, laying out what it should look like, I think, you know, that's the coach's job as well is to set that student up for success.
0: Yeah, I think that going to a golf lesson is – analogous to going to a doctor. Mm. Um, The student is is paying for that time. They've set up the appointment. They should go into that uh, lesson T with some objectives. Here's the problem. What am I doing that is causing the problem? Right. What is the solution? Uh, What do I need to do to achieve that? And then... What is my prescription? What am I going away with in order to achieve that on a regular
1: basis? Yeah, no one believes they're going to go to the physical therapist and be fixed. They go to the physical therapist to find out what they're supposed to be doing for the next week or two weeks to, to work on it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's no miracle cure or miracle drug for any of this stuff. We, we need to go in there um, with, the, with the problem seeking a new information that's going to allow us to achieve a solution. And
1: right.
0: and then the instructor obviously needs to be equipped in order to, pro, you know, to diagnose the issue and to, to provide a solution to it um, so that the player can leave and improve. And, and uh, it, it lies, the responsibility lies on both parties, but um, you know, there, there's no reason why a golfer shouldn't go into a lesson without Um, having a a decent awareness of what needs to change and what needs to be improved upon a request.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, without getting into a third topic, we can talk about this. Uh, This would be a whole nother podcast, but, you know, understanding the learning process, I think is one of the reasons that golfers suck, right. And can't get any better is because they don't understand how to go through the stages of the learning process. Um, And one of the best things that I've done for my health, but also for my own instruction and understanding how it works is I've been working with a chiropractor who's also uh, kind of a, a physical therapist on some back issues that I've had. And each time I go in there, he adjusts me. He does a chiropractic. He adjusts my spine and, and realigns my spine. So that's part of the, the, the when I go in to see him. But then afterward, he gives me a set of stretches and drills and mobility exercises. And I don't need to sit there for an hour and do them, the whole thing with him. You know, he says, okay, you know, you can do this three days a week, you know, when you're sitting down in front of the television in the morning or night, you know, right there. And, you know, then we'll keep checking in on you, you know, and he gave me some posture goals to work towards as well. And I was perfectly content with that. That's what I wanted. I knew that I needed to work at it. And if I did these things the way he told me to do them, that they would improve. And sure enough, I've been going for a couple of months now. And each week, I've seen steady improvement. The posture changes he's suggesting have felt more comfortable. I've been in, able to incorporate them a little bit more into my golf swing. At first, I've had to really think about putting myself in the new posture, but now it feels a little bit weird to go into the old posture, which now I know it's starting to become a little bit more unconscious. And learning about how all that works has helped me to improve faster, I believe, because I know how it should go. Um, But, you know, a lot of the students don't understand how that should work. Um, And so therefore, they don't know what the week ahead should look like. Um, But, you know, something else that's helped is obviously setting up regular dates, a, a, a routine visit to his office, and not, you know, making sure that I'm not taking... You know, a month or two months in between seeing him, uh, and so all of that can benefit um, and, and help people to avoid that pitfall of regression and of not seeing the improvements that they want to see. And I know you've had you know similar experience too with working some some chiropractor. But I think that's that's valuable um, to almost put yourself into the student's role and 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 get lessons from. From somebody because that helps you as that you know that helps us the coaches uh figure out how to teach better as well
0: yeah you absolutely nailed it i mean we live in a world where people seek instant gratification yeah we want it now we want it good we want it to be ready to go with very little effort and that's just not the way things work um uh, We have to be able to be committed to long-term process, long-term success, um, daily discipline, putting in the work, um, being okay with struggle, being okay with change, being okay with failure. Uh, We we just need to reassess our entire mindset on how learning takes place, how success takes place, how improving at skill development takes. And um, you know, like getting physically fit or like doing some kind of chiropractic type adjustment, there's going to take some work in between and there's going to be some challenges and there's going to be a struggle and it's going to require a change in daily habits. Um, At the end of the day, we're talking behavioral change on all of this stuff. Uh, If you can't figure out how to carve out some time in your day or your week to practice, to do the actual exercises and activities that were assigned, there will be no progress. And it wasn't the fault of the coach. It was the fault that the player wasn't able to discipline his or herself to do the work that is required to make the change.
1: Yeah. And I think what we want to help golfers do is understand that you're showing up for a lesson, but you need to have committed to say, "Okay, I'm coming for a lesson. I know this isn't going to be an instant fix. Nothing is on the rare occasion. It's an instant fix, but I know that it's not an instant fix. I'm showing up with an understanding that I'm going to have to give up something else in my week in order to cut out time to put the practice in place. And if I can't really say that I'm willing to do that, I'm wasting everyone's time and I'm wasting my money by going to a lesson because it's, A disservice to yourself and a disservice to the coach to show up and think it's a one and done thing, or I'm just going to come from my, my weekly lessons and not put any work in, in between. And again, talking about pitfalls and things that keep golfers from improving it's, and this isn't totally the fault of the student. I think that's why one of the benefits of this is to educate people on how it works. But if you're not willing to give up something else in your daily life to put in some time, then again, it's really, really hard to ever see improvement, borderline impossible. And it just, you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure.
0: To wrap this whole conversation up, at the end of the day, if we're looking for a change in our outcome, we need to be willing to make a change to our process. We might need to make a change mentally physically to our technique, we might need to make a change to our practice program and our habits and our training. And we need to be able to um, realize that if we were to continue doing the same process, we're going to continue getting the same results. And if if we want different results, there needs to be a change to the way we process. And uh, golfers simply need to be okay with making that change and be willing to put in the work that it takes to get to where they want to be.
1: Yep. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap it up. And I think we've definitely got a couple more podcasts worth of of talking about, you know, various topics that hold golfers back. Um, Because at the end of the day, you know, if we can educate golfers as to what it's what's necessary to get better, I think, you know, everybody will understand the the road that's laid out in front of them. And uh, and there will be a lot more improvements taking place.
0: Absolutely. Keith, it's been another great time chatting with you. I think that, uh, this is a great place to, to sign off. And I think that we can have another episode similar to this with a continuation of some of these types of topics.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, always enjoy it and, uh, hope you listeners out there enjoy it as well. And, uh, feel free to reach out to either Henry or I and, uh, give us some topic ideas or just, uh, all feedback is appreciated, but, uh, we appreciate everybody that's listening so far and, uh, hope that we can, uh, continue to serve uh, everybody and, and provide good information.
0: Sounds good, Keith. Take care. Have a great day, my brother. All right,
1: Henry. Later.